0: You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Let's let's pray. It's a good thing to do. Lord, uh, we just thank you so much for your word I thank you, Jesus, for those parables. I thank you for the way that you teach us, the way that uh, you teach us very efficiently, Lord. You, you give us story, and um, we see finite words, yet you give infinite meaning to them, and uh, it draws uh, deep to our soul. And so, Lord, we pray today that the scriptures and the, those parables would, would speak to us and that we would find ourselves again in your story. And Lord, we just right now just invite you, uh, Holy Spirit, to move over us, to use your words as deep calls to deep. We pray, Lord, for a rich dwelling of your presence. And so, God, we just are so grateful uh, to get to seeing how great you are and then also to to just continuously have that cascade, not o- only over your throne and in the heavens, but Uh, what is happening there, what your will is there, that your kingdom would come here. And so, Lord, please speak to us, quicken our hearts and renew our minds uh, so that we can be changed, Lord. As Tara uh, prayed this morning, Lord, that that we wouldn't just listen, that we wouldn't gain more knowledge, but that we would leave here changed this morning. We love you so very much, and we place all of our hope in that, and we know that that never disappoints. So, Jesus, we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I haven't met all of you. I've met uh, many of you. Um, my name is Sean Garman, and uh, years ago, probably like 10 years ago, I got to watch God start a church here. And uh, it actually started out of my living room and uh, over on Syracuse Street. And so it's it's really a great homecoming to come here and then to hear worship and to worship with you is like getting a really good home-cooked meal and uh, just coming in and settling in and there's a warmth here so it's just really nice to be with you and I really appreciate your faithfulness to following Jesus here in this community and and to sharing him and and to living as him here among uh, North Portland so just really stoked to be here um, I'm here. My daughter's graduating from University of Portland today, so we're here to celebrate that. And and um, and along the way, Josh extended a, an invitation for me to be able to just be with you guys and and talk about Jesus. So that's kind of a fun thing to do. So um, so I heard uh, last week. I think Royce was preaching, and he was using his iPad. And somebody s- said something, and I, I kind of got the feeling there could have been a glitch or whatever. So I brought my iPad. Uh, I've never preached from my <laughs> iPad, so, um, so I may just wing it um, because I don't want a bunch of glitches either, okay? Um, I do want to say one thing. Uh, this is going to sound really terrible, and you're going to, like, maybe not even like me after I, I tell you this or disconnect from me. This, is, this may be like a speaker faux pas right now, but... I came early uh, to pray with some brothers and sisters back here. And and before we started praying, somebody noticed that somebody crapped on the tree back there. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's actually saying this. But I just want you to know, like, I was saying the home-cooked meal is a great thing and a great way to come home. But I also just, some things just don't change in St. John's. That's all I've got to say is people crap on trees around here. Um, so God bless you for being the strong Jesus people that, uh, that put up with that. And, and we, there's no joke, right? There's, the truth is, is there's lots of hijinks going on in the neighborhood, you know, where people spray paint on people's houses and all that. And the brokenness seems to be very clear. But I think actually those are actions. And, and why would I really go back to that story is, is to say this. I think there's lots of signs in our lives that we're unsatisfied. I think that's just one of those signs. I think we lash out and we do things rebelliously. And, and it, it's easy to see that crapping on a tree or on a building is maybe not symbolic of the presence of God. And as you guys have been studying, what does kingdom come look like? What does it look like to, to actually be with the king what does it look like to be in his presence? Whoever the king is and, and his His rule is where that, ki- that kingdom is. And um, so today's scripture is going to be fun to go through because I think we're going to see some contrast. The other thing I really appreciate about today's scripture is I think it gives a full picture of the story. I think we're, we're, they asked me to pick any of those stories. I took the prodigal one. The Prodigal One just seems to encapsulate just about everything in big chunk form with our relationship with God, and uh, and actually with each other, that we'll see. So, um, let's open up our Bibles, or your iPad, or whatever you're using today, but, and then, you know, in the last nine, ten months that I haven't been here, um, my eyes have gone really bad, so... Um yeah, you know, I got glasses now, people. I'm getting older, okay? Um, also, I don't want to neglect before we go into this, just to give you um, just a quick overview of, of what's going on now. So I got to watch God uh, start a church here and that you're a part of that, and and God's legacy goes on, right? It's a priesthood. It's not one priest, but it's a priesthood. It's people saying, I'm going to step into the things that God has for my life, so I'm going to be taught, and I'm going to learn to obey, and I'm going to learn how to live this life out with my family, and we're going to be servants in this area. Um, Well, you guys, this family was kind enough to send another portion of the family down to California, and so now we're doing it again For those of you who don't know, we're planting a church in just north of Los Angeles. It's in a county called Ventura County. It's about a million people and lots of bedroom communities, um, about an hour, sometimes less, um, from Los Angeles. So there's beach, there's agriculture, there's mountains, but there's about eight towns that that are really significant. And they each have their own character. Right now, so far, just to give you an update, we have three expressions. Um, You call them missional communities, we call them seed communities. We have one in Ventura, California. We have one in Camarillo, California. And we have one in Oxnard, California. We're just learning and, and it hasn't been easy. Sometimes things look really spectacular and beautiful and it's very pleasing to us. And the very next day, it looks like it could all fall apart. Um, but it's the mission, and it's exactly what, what you guys are here doing, we're doing down there. So. Um, so the report is, it's hard. Just because there's sunshine and we get to surf a lot, um, doesn't take away that Satan wants to punch you in the face and hurt you, and, and, and we have sin, and we're learning how to all get along, and we're trying to live this out. So there's some struggle in it. And uh, so we could really use your prayers. Because, believe it or not, on some days we want to give up. Have you ever wanted to give up? Want to stop being the family, stop showing up, stop being the Jesus people? Um, I think that's why today's, uh, today's scripture is also profound in that when I say things could suck a little bit or I talk about what's done on the tree or whatever's going on as far as negative and broken and wanting to quit, we relate to that. We don't like that. We're unsatisfied with lots of broken pieces of life and we really desire to be a part of celebration, to be a part of joy. And our soul tells us that there's a piece of us that, that is even made for that. And so in some sense, we sometimes are grieving that, and we're like, when do we get to party? Like, when are the times going to be good? Today's scripture is going to say why we party and what the best party is. Well, there's a million reasons. We'll party today because my daughter's done her academic, academic work. And sometimes we party when somebody's born, and we, we party for all of these different reasons. And sometimes people are, get so addicted, or they don't want to look at, at the bad news of life, that they'll fabricate reasons to party. Like, hey, let's just party, because we've got to party and be happy. Like, I don't want to think about those things in my life. And then we party too much, and we become wasted or indulgent. And we've lost focus on, really, the clarity of things. And so what this story today is going to do, it's going to bring us to a clarity a real realization of how hard life can actually be. But there will be a clear focus. And if we pay attention to the story that Jesus told, if we learn what he's saying, I think that we'll arrive at a greater purpose and meaning in our life again. And sometimes we go, well, I know what that's going to be. Or, or I've been there. Well, that's fantastic. But for me personally, I couldn't hear it enough. I need to hear the really good news as, as to why we legitimately get to be the party people on the planet, in our communities, in our families. What is a pure and holy party look like, and why would we get to do that? Because essentially, you know, Sundays are supposed to be parties. That's what worship is. This is why we worship. We're supposed to come in here preamped amped up because we saw from depravity or we saw from brokenness God working and sometimes it doesn't happen perfectly within seven days but perhaps there's a sub story that we can bring to the throne to say I've seen you working I've seen you work before I know who you are God and we get great encouragement off of that okay let's give it a shot on this ipad action the first uh, let's look at verse 12 and 13 and what we see here is um, we see the son the second son become irritated Um, he's impatient he doesn't like the divine control he's not um He's not enjoying the father's estate, which I would say is the kingdom here. So what's happening is he has a good father, and he's beginning to resent his good father. His father has this estate, and he's clearly got plans. He's clearly producing good things in life, but he doesn't like the divine control. And, and this is exactly where we're at sometimes. We're like, yeah, I think I know the things of God, but to be honest with you, I just don't want God lording in my life. I don't want the oversight. I just want this independence. And so what happens is this son says, hey, I really like what's coming to me. Secretly and, and maybe mindfully, I murder you. I wish you were dead. Can I have my inheritance now? I don't want to wait until you're dead. Your ways are dead to me now. Give me what's coming to me now. I don't mind being separated from you. I don't want to be with you. I don't like the things you're saying here in my life. You know what the word prodigal means, by the way? He's about to go out and live up to the name prodigal. Prodigal means wasteful. He's saying, Give me everything. And here's the way it went in the the Jewish culture. So when Jesus is telling the story to the people, they're going, okay, well, that's the second son, so that means he gets gets a third of the estate. The older brother, because there's great honor in being the firstborn, which Colossians calls Jesus the firstborn, there's a special honor in that. There's this birthright that we've seen throughout of scriptures. The older son would get two-thirds of that estate. So he's skipping around his brother, and he says, give me mine. I want to go party. And and do you know what we call this? When we say I want to be separated from the father and when we we know it and we're like I'm not going to be in your presence you're as good as dead to me. We call that sin. That's called sin. It's a dirty word. It's a word people absolutely do not like to be accused of. It's an element in our life that people absolutely don't like to admit. We'll do everything to make sure that, that people can't see that part of our life. And, and here he is being emboldened and, and brash in his rebellious way to seek a gratification that he's not finding in the presence of his father. And so he really does this. And this is the way I would define sin, is you're trespassing against the kingdom, You're criminal-minded against a good father, a father that loves you, a father that's provided everything for you, and yet you are completely against him and his ways, and you are not minding, offending his estate. That's what's happening here. And so when that happens, he he is not begged to stay. It's this amazing thing where we know God's will And God has been prelaying and portraying and laying out his will for his sons and his servants. And the son says, I have my own will. And we see in this story, the father's not arguing with the will of the son. He does as he asked. When is the last time you said, I don't want your presence here. I think it's a contemplative moment. I think it's, if you're not spending a lot of time in God's presence and realizing the estate that he's set up for you called life and that he has provided for it, I think if you're not thinking about that, that's a dangerous spot to be. I think you should be seeking and searching the places where you feel fine without God. This is a good place. I'm not so sure I even need God here. I'm not even sure I want God here. We minimize that economy. We, we minimize that sin. We say, oh, I do this because of this. It's not affecting anybody. The kingdom's going on. I'm still a part of the kingdom, but I'm doing my thing. So, this is not really gonna work (laughs) i'm not gonna punch a code in every verse okay um i knew i had glasses somewhere too this is hilarious okay yeah i'm feeling 42 so he despises his father and we say who is the father and so he says i want to separate from purity from goodness my father has standards i don't like his standards I just don't like the way he's running everything. He's even though I just can't. There's no flaw in the father. It's just, ew. it's 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 not what I want. He says, and so he loses faith in his dad. And in John six forty four, it says, um, that w- when we go the way of our sin, it, we reorient our life away from God, and actually our sin becomes to transform us as well. The, the sin becomes more embodied. And so when he says, give me all of this, and wants to sin against the Father and separate himself from the Father, then he starts to go a new way and it starts to create a new identity for him. In fact, what I was alluding to in John is that he, we become to the point where we want a new father. And Jesus actually calls it out and says, you are sons of the father of lies. He's saying, some of us, actually, when we do that, when we deceive ourselves willingly and leave the presence of God, we deceive ourselves so much that we're like, "Yeah, it's okay not being there. It's okay not being a part of the family. I've got this going on now, and it's usually idolatry, or it's our own desire, whatever we want. It doesn't matter what God says. It doesn't matter what his standards are. We create new standards, and we justify those standards, and that's what he's doing, and that's what it says in John. So we say, you know, I'm going to put myself under something else. And what that other thing is, is deception. And so we deceive ourselves, and we lose our compass. And what happens is, we have sin, and then some of you have heard, well, the wages of sin is death. That's what Romans says. So we actually end up going away that's not life-giving. And so we leave the presence of God, which is life, and, and everything you would need, all the sustenance, all, all of the self-sustainment that God has and gives you in life, and we leave and we start to travel a different way. So here's one way to think about this. When we decide to do that, and we all do this, it's like disconnecting, like the umbilical cord. I, we have, I have seven children, and I've been in there and, and it's grisly, and it's like... It's like really old licorice. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) But that's what we do. Not with old licorice, but we're just like... (sighs) But the umbilical cord is life. In our sin, we disconnect. And we're no longer connected. We become lost... It's in there, but it's not programmed. Uh, uh, my iPhone. I traveled last week to Florida, and it's trying to reconfigure itself, and it's doing all these weird things on it. It's, it's lost. But I'm not talking about technology. I'm talking about the human soul. I'm talking. God, your heart, your soul, your mind, everything that God wanted connected to him, we willingly go, I'm going to be confused and a little bit scrambled. And here's what he says. He's told us from Genesis. He says, you'll die. There are three ways to die, and we underestimate this. We go, oh, yeah, I understand I'm physically going to die. It's 100%. Looks like it's been 100% across the board. Everybody's dying. I can deal with that. No, we die spiritually. We die eternally. We die physically, spiritually, and eternally. When we pull the umbilical cord, we already know that we're going to die physically, but we die spiritually, and then we, we will go to the abyss. Our sin is a problem. Death is a problem. It says in here that he gets to the point where he's like, I'm, uh, I'm going to perish. I'm just completely emptied out. I've totally wasted the whole estate... All of life is coming to its end, and here I am in a pig pen, and Jesus knows exactly how to tell a story. He says, he's come to the end of his rope. Can you Jews think of anything more despicable than to be working with swine, which we were taught was completely unclean and we would never be around, and here we are in the toxic pit of a pig pen. Here he is living his life so far from God that he attaches himself. If you look at the original language, it says, it says he glued himself he cemented himself to this employer the employer it really implies the employer doesn't even like him and we know this nobody would give him food the employer doesn't even want to feed him he followed a father of lies and has glued himself to the lifestyle completely depleted his whole life and now here he is in total unwanted he's gonna die This is, this is where all of our sin takes us. We do this with sin. We minimize it. And then sometimes we compare ourselves to each other. Well, you know, I know I'm not the Green River Killer. He's a sinner. We just look at CNN and we're like, I'm not him. And this is part of the reason we like reality shows. I'm not him. I'm not her she's crazy i can't believe she did that i can't believe he's doing that and we go i'm not that bad and then all of a sudden somebody like billy graham shows up and we're like well no, i'm not that good i'm not billy graham and i'm not the green river killer i'm spiritually middle class that's who I am I'll be spiritually middle class I've unplugged the umbilical cord now I'm spiritually middle class and I kind of dabble in like things that are pretty good and things that are over here and God says that's lukewarm in fact you can say all the things you know when you come to see me and you can even do a whole bunch but did you know me This is the mess that we get in when we when we look at this scripture, look at fourteen, he gets to the point where he 's a part of a famine. Judges five talks about judges five twelve talks about um, it 's in the stars, and here 's what it means by this when when all of a sudden life 's going along and and you're In sin, and you're in rebellion, and you're kind of coming to grips with, you know, things aren't looking good. I'm going to die. You'll see that God does funny things. So you get a guy rebellious, not wanting to to preach or teach or love the people of Nineveh. So all of a sudden, he gets on a boat, and oh, there's a storm. This guy, he's going away, and all of a sudden, something happens. There's a famine when I'm most hungry. Like, I'm at the end of my end, 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 God. I'm like at the worst, and then the, now there's a famine. And so you'll see stories in the Bible, and we know this in our lives, that when we start to go a certain way and things start going bad, it seems like a perfect storm. The stars align that show us, yeah, how much more could I pronounce for you? This is the wrong way to go. There's another word sin death works you know what he does when he's in the pig pen he's like this is why he glued himself to the other one he's like i gotta make this work this has got i gotta work this out like dude you gotta hire me like i'm on i'm on instead of having the realization that he ends up having in the pig pen he's like i gotta make this happen We do this all of the time. We're like, I've done a few bad things and I haven't really, you know, I'm not the Green River Killer. And I'm, yeah, sure, I'm not a saint right now, but, you know, whatever. And I'm just kind of working this out. I'm going to work this out. I'm going to make this happen if I can just get that job or if I can just get that girl. Or if I can just go to that one party and be seen. Or if I could just buy that one item. Or if I could just do this. If I could work this out. I could work this out. And then you know what? Sometimes we even go, you know, I am kind of aware of the stuff that I've done with you, God. And, you know, I want to make that up to you, God. So you, what do you want me to do? Rake that old lady's yard? Or, uh, you know, should I show up to church again? Or, you know, I've made two appearances this year. And, and I think they like me. And I'm just, I'm there. I brought beans to that potluck or whatever, and, and you know, it goes on and on and on. It's like, uh, here's the situation. The sin transforms your life. It realigns your life, and then pretty soon you're kind of heading for death, and you start to know, I'm, yeah, I'm heading for some forms of holistic bankruptcy. It doesn't all happen at once, and it's this process where you just go into oblivion, and you become... Um, Without purpose and meaning, Ephesians 4 says, like 17 to 22, talks about that, that we just start to lose our minds. And so we go, well, how do I get back there? What, what can I do to get back there? Like, I know that there's this sinful situation in our household or in our relationship. I really want to do a good job. The scriptures are very clear to say it's not works. You can't work yourself back to the Father, and you can't work yourself through all of these terrible, broken situations that your life has spun out on. You can't fix all the stuff as you're traveling back and trying to be back into righteousness. And, and you know the Father's standards, and you're like, God, you're perfect, and I can't get back there to you. And it causes shame. And sometimes things will look like they go good. Like, let's say his employment started working out, and, and then we get spun out for even a little longer because we think we're actually making the thing work. What is your success actually telling you? Is your success, is, is it God-given? Or is it man-driven? And is it glorifying God? And is it, is it drawing you closer to him? Or is it just allowing you to stay longer away from him? So sin, death, three ways to die, works. We try and work it out. It's impossible. If you've done even one thing wrong, you're not in the presence of God. This is bad news. You guys are like, no, duh. Wow, you're really giving us a nice story today. anything, let's just top it off. Punishment. Not only do we sin and we come to grips with this failing way where life is evaporating out and life is dissipating because we're making all of these choices. We've realigned and and reordered our own life and we're making our own decisions. We did. We just, you know, finally we're not under the divine. We're just living life and we're looking at each other and I'm not as bad as them and we're justifying it. It's like, you know, my porno thing and my marijuana or, or uh, my greed or the ways that I'm making my own life. Like You know, we minimize that and it's like it's not affecting other people and so here we go until we run into this word and here's my confession to you. I preached here for probably nine years. I used the word Punishment less than a dozen times, I bet. It's a key part of the story. It's what you deserve when you transgress, when you trespass, when you do crimes against a Holy Father, when you flip God off in every possible way, when you rebel, when you take what He's given you and you squander it, Your life, the purposes that he gave you, the reason to live. We deserve punishment. There's one side of the story, and I've been thinking about this the last two weeks. Resurrection's fun to tell everybody about resurrection. But I think punishment needs to go here. It's kind of hardcore. But we deserve to be punished. god that's that's harsh that sounds terrible what kind of god and you should be asking yourself this what kind of god can uphold that kind of standard what kind of god is completely blameless and holy and pure what kind of god does not even deserve any of that trespass and that criminal actions against him is he worthy You can't begin to tell good news of the gospel. You, he's in the pig pen. He says, I'll rise up. He's saying, I will, like it's future. He's saying, I desire my dad's house. I desire the kingdom. I desire, and he's still trying to work it out. So he goes, because he still has shame and guilt. And he goes, I'll be one of the servants, um, I won't even be the son. I just want to get back into the kingdom. I just want to get back. You know what? I'm going to rise. I desire resurrection in my life. I desire for you to lift me up, God. I need it so badly. I'm in this crap hole. I'm not even, they're not even wanting to give me corn husk or the things that they're feeding the pigs. I want back so badly. I know that I've screwed this whole thing up. I can't do a thing about it. He is sitting at his wits end. Are you thinking maybe he's going, maybe I'll just fall over in this slop pile and just breathe in this stuff and it'll be over. Yes, we know he's feeling that way because you're not human if you haven't felt that way. If you haven't said, I'm at the end of it all, I've completely, I'm so far from God. I can't make this work. And I, I I've done bad things. I'm sitting here. I know that I'm sitting here in opposition to you, God. What am I to do now? You're to believe him. You're to trust his ways. You didn't at first, or you did for a little bit, and you inherited the kingdom, and you went, "Gosh, the kingdom's pretty killer." And you got wooed away by a father of lies. You got wooed away by your sin and your deception. And you blamed it on all kinds of stuff, even the church and pastors and Christians and and people. And you found yourself out here. (laughs) And then the father says, I love you. You're mine. I'm crazy about you. You know it right here. You know that you know it. This is not what I have for you. You know I'm crazy about you. I'm so crazy about you that the Father sent the Son to take your punishment to take the wrath, the real punishment. Yes, he did deserve to remain stainless and blemish-free and completely pure and holy. He deserves to be the Father. He will not forsake himself because you want to go on a little uh, willing exile from him. He will not forsake Himself. He will remain pure and holy. And He will remain. The word is religious sounding. It's sovereign. It means He will remain completely independent from that. He will not forsake Himself. He will allow you to go do that. Repentance. That's what's happening in the pig pen when He says... this I want to turn away from my sin and there's two parts to repentance there's turning away from what you know is a defilement before God and then turning to him not turning to something else but turning right to him turning to him from the pig pen when the moment is darkest and you're in the middle of it it's an argument it's a heart set It's a fear. He says, I love you. Sin, death, works, love, love shows up. Love shows up in the form of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to go to the pig pen for you. Is this not the story of stories? How beautiful is this story? I think it's more beautiful when we do look at the bad news of the gospel. When we understand that full repentance is saying, I'm turning away and I'm turning to. And then what happens? He starts to go home. In verse 17... He remembered himself. I love that phrase. He remembered himself. I think that means he looked and saw his soul. He remembered his real identity as a son, as a daughter, as his. He desired not only resurrection, He desired the kingdom. And so He decided to make a move towards the Father. Do you know this about God? I've learned it over the years. It's not anything tricky. When I travel one inch back to my father, my papa, he goes the whole rest of the way. That's love. He's not making me work back to him. He's saying, show me your heart. Show me your repentant heart and we will cruise. We are back in again. You kidding me? I see you from far away. You're far from me. When you turned and you you realized the betrayal, the criminal actions, and you realized where you were, when you started coming back to me I went running, undignified. I'm the king of this joint, and I'm running to you. You walk, I jump. You give me an inch, I'll go the whole mile. And what happens in this story is the father meets the son, and he embraces him. And he kisses him. He doesn't give him a big inquisition. He doesn't say, you realize how much you hurt me, right? You realize how what a defilement you are you realize I shouldn't be in here in fact I should just flick you off the planet you realize what a low-down gravy-sucking pig you've been right crapping on trees and spray-painting stuff and putting dope in your life and and sleeping with people outside of marriage you're doing all of these different things that were against me you've lived so long against me and and Christians, in case we're thinking we're not a part of this, you live five minutes against me. You live five days and five months. You've been living against me. And he says, what do I got for you? I got hugs and kisses. <laughs> it's okay for God to be pure and to allow punishment, a death punishment for those who defile against him. He's God. I know it's hard for us to go, yeah, that's okay. Okay guess you can be God. It's okay. We deserve punishment. Okay. And then we really love. But he loves us. We need to think about the ways that we're offending the one that loves us. Here's what Deuteronomy 6 says. No, Deuteronomy. I'll get it to you later. It's Deuteronomy 18. 18 through 20, I believe. You can check it later. Um, He's hugging and kissing. And what the law says is this. That when you give that portion to your son, it's actually a foreshadowing of the prodigal story in Deuteronomy. And what it says is, it says, when you give the portion to the son and he becomes rebellious he is actually to be brought before the elders because he's so offended, and remember, all Middle Eastern and Eastern cultures are so honor-based, and we've lost a lot of honor, um, even secular honor, but they're so, se- they're so honor-based that you have so messed up with the family's honor and reputation and the father that that son is supposed to be taken out before the heads of the civilization and stoned to death. Mm. This audience that Jesus is telling the story to, they know that story. And they go, oh, this is kind of lining up with what we already know from Deuteronomy. We learned that in Sunday school. And they go, but the father's hugging and kissing the son. The son's supposed to be stoned. The son deserves death what's going to happen to the father when he's hugging and kissing the son that was an ill repute that completely betrayed the kingdom what's going to happen and those those people listening to jesus tell the story and here's what happens they start to have the understanding that father's not only hugging and kissing the betraying son the wasteful son he's being stoned to death with him that's a picture of the cross of jesus christ where all the death and the punishment and the wrath that you deserve, when God brings you back, he put his son in your place, and he died in your place. It's called the great exchange. And so all of the things that you've thought about this morning, all of the ways that you're currently betraying God, the ways that I'm currently betraying God, God has wrapped his arms around us, and he's wrapped his son's flesh in our place, and his son has died, and been buried, and was resurrected on the third day. That's what this story's about. That God will bring victory to your life. That God will bring a desire for you to go back. And we know that there's also a famous part that we don't have time for, where there's, when the son gets back, the dad says, reinstates And make sure that he knows, you never lost your place with me. You're not coming in as a servant. Get the robe. The robe from Isaiah 61 says it's a robe of salvation. You've been saved. You've been saved from your ways. You've been saved from that economy. You're back in the kingdom. You get the robe. And you get the ring. The ring says you're in the family. And you get shoes. The servants are barefoot. You get shoes. And you know what the shoes were a sign of in that day and age? Freedom. You get freedom. You're a free man, son. You're not going to jail for this. You're not going to die for this. You're going to live forever in the kingdom. This is who you are. And then his brother's standing there. And he comes in and he says, What's up with the party? The dad says, My son was dead. My son was lost. And my son has been found. This is why we party. And his son's going, How come we never partied before for me? I've been obeying you. I've been here with you the whole time. He looks at his son, probably grieved, and says, You haven't known that this is the way we've always been? You've had all of this. And so both sons find out that they both deserved the pig pen. And the church needs to learn from that, right? The older brother is is going, I've done all the right things all the time, but with complete wrong heart. I thought I was better than him the whole time, and I was really outraged that he went to New Orleans and Palm Springs and Vegas and wasted all of daddy's money. Where is our hearts, are our hearts waiting like the Father for those lost ones to come home? Furthermore, are we the people that go to the pig pen to love and talk through and have coffee with our brother who has gone far away? And while we're there, the ones who don't even know they're prodigal, do we remain in that community, even though it, it feels very toxic, do we become the light and the salt of that environment? Where are you at this morning? Do you realize you need Jesus because you're on the way back from rebellion? Has rebellion actually crept on you, up on you, and you're not on the road back to the house, but that you're at the house and you're bitter? That you're not enjoying the kingdom? Red Sea is an extension of the Father's house. It always has been. It's up to you. Will you be a servant that celebrates? Will you anticipate the party? Will you send some out to the pig pen? And will you party like, There's no other reason to have joy and celebration than when those who were dirty and toxic come before the Lord to say, I'm sorry, I've trespassed. I understand what I deserve. Will you be one that considers considers yourself equal to that? Do you realize how toxic we can be on any given day and in any given moment? This is an extension of that house where the ones who are coming home get hugged and kissed. The ones who are at home that are bitter, you need to realize what the home's about. Let's pray. Lord, Jesus, you are the way. The prodigal lost his way. You are the truth. And the prodigal followed lies and wasted the truth. There was no place for the truth in his life, and he was done following you. And we sometimes know that there's severe consequences to our death. We don't always realize what's happening eternally or spiritually. But Jesus, you are life. So, Lord, we come to you this morning a little closer to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would spur us all to spend less time in the pig pen, to spend less time trying to make things work, and to spend much more time reveling in that our Father is good And that his kingdom, his estate, and his plan is wonderful. And there's no other place we'd rather be. And for those of us who get annoyed at the same sin we hear out of a brother or sister or the fact that we're unwilling to go somewhere, we've stayed at the estate. We didn't go to find our brother. We stayed thinking we were doing everything right. Convict us, Lord. Convict us of our trespasses. Let us sense what your desires are. We thank you that you've welcomed us into the communion table. We thank you that we get to receive forgiveness, that this story leads to forgiveness and freedom and our identity being restored and renewed. Thank you so much for this story, God. Thank you for the power of the scriptures. Thank you, Jesus for telling us the story, living the story, inviting us into the story, and sending us back out to to tell and to unite others with the story author, the Father. So we thank you, Lord, today. We want to turn away from our sin and turn to you. And so we pray, Lord, for clean hearts, and we pray that we would be transformed today. Thank you so much for today. It is every reason to celebrate and lord if there's someone in here who does not understand that they're being invited right now i pray lord that you holy spirit would move and invite even if they've heard the story before even if they've been in church lord i pray that your love would cascade over them that they would see your love for the lost that they would come to you and that they would come to the table for the first time to partake of uh, your body, which is symbolic in the bread, that it was crushed on our behalf and right, rightfully crushed because it was taking the place of our punishment. And so, Lord, we thank you for your blood that ran, that reconciles us because of this cross and the, the bloodshed and the sacrifice of Jesus and the atoning, the paid-for-all economy when we're bankrupt and we've wasted it all you refill everything all accounts in life are back and so we thank you for the forgiveness of forgiving our debts and paying our price at the cross so jesus we love you we're grateful we thank you for the gospel and we look forward to singing and and honoring you in christ's name we pray thank you for listening to this message from red sea church If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.